For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Everybody, it's time to believe in the Big 12. If you're a Big 12 baller, then this podcast is the place for you. Every week, we dive into the hot topics surrounding historic Big 12 football and basketball. Guest stars, former players, industry experts, conference shakeups, hoops hypotheticals, football fantasies. You name it, we have it. And in the process, we'll look at marquee matchups, roster comparisons, coaching carousels, and analysis of big-time moments. You will literally feel like you're etched into the fabric of the Big 12. From the creation of basketball to history repeating itself on the gridiron, our take on all things Big 12 will have you glued to the edge of your seat. So whether you've got a favorite Big 12 team or are just a fan of the conference, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Welcome to the Believe in the Big 12 podcast, a proud member of the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Believe in the Big 12 podcast. Yeah, you heard that right. The 12th episode of the Big 12 podcast. So let's celebrate that. Because this, if any podcast is ever going to be a tribute to the Big 12, it's this one. And it comes at a very exciting time. And on behalf of the entire Believe podcast network, before we kick off, I have to ask... Do you believe, and more importantly, for our purposes, do you believe in the Big 12? Because the Big 12 is epic. Well, at least the top of it. There wasn't much to be done beyond the top four for this episode, because the rest of the teams either didn't play or were unaffected by the results of the Big 12 title game between Baylor and Oklahoma State. But boy, was that game awesome. The whole national landscape is awesome right now, really. This has to be the coolest college football playoff draw in the brief history of the four-team college football playoff. And one of the reasons it's so cool? Because I can rightfully say I was right. Cincinnati is in the top four in the nation, and they're going to have a chance to vie for the crown of college football. The first non-Power 5 team ever to have the honor. I knew my faith in Cincinnati would prove to be valid. They're in with Michigan, Alabama, and Georgia. And the Bearcats, with their ninja Bearcat attack, have a chance to rip the Crimson Tide to shreds. And then, either the Wolverines or the Bulldogs, depending on who wins that matchup. And above all else, they stay at the top spot in our ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings. And as a reminder for a first-time listener... These are the ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings because, even though they won't officially be joining the Big 12 until 2023, we're including Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF in the rankings. It's only right to see how they stack up because this is the new reality. 
And even though they're on their way out, we're going to include Texas and Oklahoma too until they're officially gone. So once again, welcome to this week's edition of the Ultra Super Massive Big 12 Power Rankings. And we have very exciting news to kick things off. Like I said before, Cincinnati, just in time for Christmas, did do what I said they would do and shut the door on the ghosts of Christmas past, aka the college football playoff slash bowl committee officials, who have constantly denied winning teams a spot simply because they were a non-Power 5 contender. But not this time. I can stand on the mountain of my opinions and proudly say that Cincinnati is top four in the country. As I've said, if there was ever a team from a non-Power 5 conference team that could play with the behemoths of college football, it's Cincinnati. Because, again, for those who don't know, a bear cat is some sort of odd fusion between a bear and a cat. And we all know a mascot is the most important indicator of a team's chances. You just don't mess with a bear cat. So staying at the summit of our rankings, number one, the Bearcats did exactly what they needed to do. They dusted up on Houston. They did what the college football playoff committee, college football sports pundits, sports reporters, and avid fans have been asking them to do all season. And that is to be perfect. They're the only team left in the country that's undefeated. They've proven week after week that they can win under pressure in the national spotlight with fans everywhere rooting for them to make the college football playoff. No pressure and countless people saying that they couldn't do it. The Bearcats are the first team outside of a Power 5 conference to compete in the four-team college football playoff and it felt so nice to take the trying to become out of that sentence this week. They resoundingly beat Houston and the AAC championship. Jerome Ford rushed for 187 yards and two touchdowns. Desmond Ritter threw three touchdown passes. And number four, Cincinnati, broke open a close game in the third quarter and rolled past number 16, Houston, 35-20. to The resounding statement is what we did on that football field, Coach Fickle said. Nobody is going to call us and ask us what we think. I don't think these guys can be denied that opportunity. It would be a shame. It would have been a shame, but it isn't a shame because you made it. They weren't. Cincinnati, 13-0 now on the season, extended the nation's second longest home winning streak to 27, scored three touchdowns in fewer than eight minutes to finish off its second straight AAC crown. The fans rushed the field amid a shower of confetti. Even Houston's coach knew Cincinnati shouldn't be shut out of the college football playoff. We went toe-to-toe with them for as long as we could, Houston head coach Dana Holgerson said. They are first class and deserving of top four. I don't know how you keep Cincinnati out. Cincinnati led 14-13 at halftime despite Houston having possession for more than 22 minutes. And that's kind of what it's been like all season with Cincinnati. Even when they should be losing because of being outgained, multiple turnovers, or losing the time of possession battle, they always seem to keep the lead. And the big plays just kept coming for Cincinnati. Ford had a long touchdown scamper of 42 yards, and within fewer than eight minutes, Cincinnati turned a one-point lead into a 22-point advantage. There have been a few occasions this season when things weren't looking great for the Bearcats at halftime. 
But each time, the senior players managed to rally their teammates, resulting in an immediate response in the third quarter. On Saturday, it was Ritter and senior cornerback Kobe Bryant who led the locker room charge. When you have an older group, you can kind of see the look in their eyes, said Coach Fickle. They come out in the second half on a mission. We never wanted to carry the torch for the non-Blue Bloods or anyone else, Fickle said. We just want to be us. Oh, God, do I love that quote. That is, that is the sound of a team that is ready to play, and they don't care if they're a non-Power 5 team. They're going to be them in the college football playoff when they play Alabama, who also, it should note, lost its best wide receiver to an ACL tear. But even if he was playing, I think Cincinnati has a very real shot to win this game because they believe in themselves more than any other team. Recipe for success. Coming in at number two, Baylor. And everything I said about Baylor was a lie. Baylor avenged a loss to Oklahoma State earlier in the season with an epic goal line stand at the end of the game. All that stuff I said about Baylor, you know, how they better enjoy their spot at number three before it's gone and before they fall to number four, well, that didn't age well. <laughs> Let's be honest. Baylor showed some serious metal in this stunning victory. And better yet, beating Oklahoma State helped Cincinnati to get in the college football playoff. Although I think they would have made it regardless, like I said. But Oklahoma State's Desmond Jackson came up inches short on a desperate fourth down dive in the final seconds for Oklahoma State, knocking the fifth-ranked Cowboys out of contention for a spot in the four-team playoff. Baylor safety J. Ron McVay, he knocked Jackson out of bounds without letting him reach the pylon, and this was just with 24 seconds remaining, so majorly in the clutch time. That preserved a 21-16 victory for the ninth-ranked Baylor Bears, a year after they won only two games in Coach Dave Aranda's debut season. I think Aranda's on to something at the Baylor program. That's one of the best turnarounds I've ever seen. Baylor linebacker Terrell Bernard, he said, This moment is something they can never take away. After the Bears, now 11-2, won their third Big 12 title ever. But unfortunately, they didn't get the chaos needed for them to have a chance to make the final four, the top four of the college football playoff. But that's no matter. It doesn't diminish this victory at all. Quarterback Blake Shapin, starting again for injured quarterback Gary Bohannon, he threw three touchdowns while completing his first 17 passes. That's, that's, that's a lot, as Baylor took a 21-3 lead in the first half. Baylor's 11 wins match a school record and came after that 2-7 record last year, like I mentioned, 2-7. And Coach Aranda, well, he was coming off a national championship as LSU's defensive coordinator. So it's fitting that they won on an amazing defensive play. They won with 242 total yards of offense, and only 36 after halftime. So the defense really had to carry them and step up. Quarterback, Shapin. He finished 23 of 28 for 180 yards passing overall. And Baylor's 21-3 lead, the Cowboys' largest deficit this season, came after an incredible diving 13-yard touchdown catch by Tyquan Thornton with a defender on his back with five and a half minutes left in the first half. So the Bears finished last season with a 42-3 home loss 
to Oklahoma State. And they darn well made up for it in this game, completely dominating the Cowboys when it mattered most. Asked if he could contrast the way last season ended with how his second year played out, Coach Aranda for the Bears simply said, no, Baylor headed to their second Sugar Bowl in three years. And at number three, now we have Oklahoma State, who just lost that heartbreaker to Baylor. And that's what Cowboys guard Josh Sills had to say. Just heartbreak. Sums it up perfectly. But the Cowboys, 11-2, and two, did a good job rallying back and then went 89 yards on 17 plays on that final drive before coming up just shy. And it was a it was a bang bang play at the end. I mean, this could have gone either way. It was amazing that they put themselves in that position in the first place. After having first and goal from the two following a pass interference penalty, running back Desmond Jackson of the Cowboys gained a yard, and then he was held for no gain, and then there was an incomplete pass by QB Spencer Sanders. And on fourth down from the one, Jackson tried to sweep wide left, but with Baylor Bears Defender McVeigh in pursuit, he barely missed while trying to dive for the pylon in the front corner of the end zone. And Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy, he said Baylor made a good play on that. And he said, it's not 27's fault, referring to Desmond Jackson. So at least he has a wholesome attitude in the face of a, a difficult loss. Quarterback Spencer Sanders threw four interceptions, one by the aforementioned McVeigh, and the Cowboys... They were without leading rusher Jalen Warren because of his lingering ankle and shoulder issues, so that didn't do them any favors either. Oklahoma State did lead 3-0 on Tanner Brown's 23-yard field goal setup after all-purpose back Treston Ebner fumbled on a run for Baylor on the opening drive of the game. But that, that momentum didn't really continue. Spencer Sanders threw picks on the next two drives, and they were pretty much playing catch-up from there. Coach Mike Gundy, he had a good attitude, though, like I said. He addressed the team after and told the team in the locker room how proud I was that they've done everything we've asked them to do since January and came up just a few inches short. So Oklahoma State, Sanders had seven interceptions in the two games this season against Baylor, even though the Cowboys won the first meeting 24-14 to back on October 2nd. But that first interception Saturday was right to the defender, and the second one was picked off by a leaping linebacker, Matt Jones, when Sanders was pressured and tried to throw off his back foot toward the sideline, which generally doesn't end well. The other two interceptions were tipped passes. I'll give him that, so totally not his fault. But Oklahoma State only had 70 yards rushing on 40 carries. That is a lowly 1.8 yards per carry. Despite how things ended, they did get a good consolation prize in the Fiesta Bowl versus Notre Dame on January 1st. So, Mike Gundy had a positive attitude. They played their best that they could, trying to come from behind. And they have a chance to kick the new year off with a win for all of us. Number four, Oklahoma. And Oklahoma stays put. Why? Because they didn't play. That's going to be a theme here from here on out. You'll see. Bowl game decisions might make a small difference, but if they do, it'll be, well, small. Oklahoma got a heck of a bowl game for how far they fell in the rankings. The Alamo Bowl? Really? 
That's number 16, Oklahoma, versus number 14, Oregon. Amazing matchup. And as usual, Oregon has a ridiculously fast team. So Oklahoma's going to have to really, really lean into its speed on defense. Oregon, after all, is basically the official team of Nike. Because for those who don't know, Nike's Phil Knight went to Oregon. So it'll be interesting to see if Oklahoma has the legs to keep up with them and not get ridiculously tired. Will they run a lot with Caleb Williams or at least run option plays with him? Will they be reactive to Oregon's up-tempo offense? Or will they stay in the pocket, unless it collapses, of course, and play the game their way? They should absolutely stick to pounding the ground game with running back Kennedy Brooks, in my opinion. But this is going to be a great bowl game. And how they play against the speedy Oregon Ducks will determine whether they rise or fall in these rankings. Number five, Iowa State. And Iowa State got a big-time bowl game, too, with a chance to slay the mighty college football behemoth that is Clemson. And I think they can do it, too. Running back Brees Hall will have one last chance to show the nation what he is all about and improve his draft stock, which has to be pretty high after what he's done this season. He had a few games this year where he was stifled, but mostly he's been an absolute machine. I look forward to him churning those legs and demoralizing Clemson's defense with 10 to 15 yard chunk runs that he's so good at that'll keep Clemson's explosive offense off the field and tire out the defense. That'll be against number 19 Clemson in Florida in the Cheez-It Bowl. Let's see what the Cyclones can do. I hope they like Cheez-Its. Number six, Houston. Yes, they are above BYU now. I did it. And this is certainly because of the quality of their bowl opponent. I don't care that they just got trounced. You know, really, and it wasn't even a trouncing necessarily. They were in the game until halftime and then lost by 15 to Cincinnati. And their bowl game opponent is better than BYU's. And this is crazy, guys. Earlier in the season, I didn't even have Houston in the top 10. Now they're knocking on the door of the top 5. Sure, it was a bad look how they got kind of obliterated there by Cincinnati at the end of the AC title game, like I said. But Cincy, they're in the college football playoff, for crying out loud. And they also played them evenly until Cincy broke it open in the third quarter. For a half, that was anyone's game. Houston will also play a legendary college football behemoth, Auburn. An Auburn team, mind you, that only lost to Alabama by two points in late November. The powers that be clearly think that Houston can stack up with measurable opponents. I can't wait to see how that game turns out. Houston's number six. Next up at number seven, BYU. Yes, the other Cougars. And that's a crazy thing to say. Now they're the other Cougars, not Houston, because they leapfrog them in these rankings this time. BYU got placed into the Independence Bowl on Saturday, December 18th against UAB. A formidable, but not as strong of an opponent as I think BYU wanted. BYU really likes a challenge. Well, they got one. UAB came out swinging and ready to fight with an unranked diagnosis and nothing left to lose. And boy, did that pay off. They dominated the first quarter. Number 13, BYU and UAB, they staged one of the most intriguing games in Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl history on Saturday, with the Blazers winning 31-28 on a rain-soaked turf. 
UAB's quarterback completed his first 13 passes and set an Independence Bowl record with a .826 completion percentage. That is stellar. And most importantly, his three touchdowns allowed the underdog Blazers to defeat a team that had five wins over the Power 5 opponents this season. Five wins for BYU against Power 5 opponents. And you know what else is amazing? I've never seen this before. Maybe this is just me. But even though BYU lost, Tyler Algier won the MVP of the game, which is pretty dang impressive for a loss. I mean, you don't see that much. They did have a turnover at a critical moment, though, and never saw the ball again. And PYU coach Satake, well, he knew that it wasn't about just that one play. There were a lot of little plays like that, so it didn't come down to that one play. That's what he had to say. So at least BYU owns up to how they lost the game. But it is difficult that they lost it, so now they sit below the number six Houston Cougars, and they will now be referred to as the other Cougars. BYU sits at number seven. Number eight, we have Kansas State. And Kansas State has a very special honor. They are in the last official bowl game before the national championship game. So they punctuate the season for everyone that was good, but not good enough. (laughs) And that is an honor, though. It's very cool. You know, being the final team to play before the college football playoff, opponents duke it out. That's an honor. And it's at the Amazing Energy Stadium in Houston, Texas. This game versus LSU will be a battle in the trenches. K-State and LSU like to play smash-mouth football, but there will be big plays too, believe me. Expect Kansas State running back Deuce Vaughn to finish the season strong and break off some big runs. It's going to be a close game, I think, but I feel like Kansas State gets the edge due to one big run at a critical juncture. I mean, that seems to be a theme throughout the season. Deuce Vaughn has run wild when it mattered most. So, we'll see where they go after this bowl game, but for now, Kansas State, number 8. Number 9, Texas Tech. They did what they had to do to make a bowl game this season, and you have to give them some respect for that. They'll be in the Liberty Bowl versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State has won the last four matchups between these teams and leads 4-2-1 and two and one in the all-time series. Yes, they had a tie. The 2021 version of the Liberty Bowl should feature a battle of the passing games. Quarterback Sonny Cumbie runs a more balanced offense than Mike Leach, but with the Mississippi State defense being stout against the run and more vulnerable through the air, expect Cumbie to try and expose their defense with the passing attack for Texas Tech. Texas Tech will need Donovan Smith to play like he did in the Iowa State and Baylor games when he averaged 292 yards passing and had five touchdowns through the air. Smith also has 19 yards rushing through the last two games, so extending plays and finding ways to gain positive yards, even if it's just a little when a play breaks down, will be key in this contest. If the Red Raiders' 118th ranked pass defense can't get stops and slow down Will Rogers, though, well, the offense may be forced into a shootout type of game, throwing the ball downfield frequently to try and keep up with the Bulldog offense. And I don't like that as a scenario for Texas Tech. But we'll see where they end up after the game. Here they are, number 9. Number 10, we have West Virginia. West Virginia's defense is what got them into a bowl game this season. Let's be honest. They had a complete shutout 
and held solid opponents to under 20 points in multiple games, allowing their offense to feel confident and be aggressive. Nevertheless, the offense did sputter at some pretty crucial moments against big-time teams. But they played well enough to get into the guaranteed rate bowl versus Minnesota, so you can't really argue with the results. They have one more shot to show their moxie as a team and end the season on a high note against a quality opponent. Look for the Mountaineers' defense to step up and earn a victory. Number 11, we have Texas. Now, let's get into it. Why did the Longhorns suddenly drop three spots when they were number eight before, ahead of Kansas State and Texas Tech and West Virginia? Well, that's because they're not in a bowl game. Sorry to say, Longhorns. Running back Bijan Robinson and the rest of the Texas offense really looked good at points this season, but things really fell off the wagon after a strong start, where it looked like they might have had a real shot at competing for a Big 12 title. They'll definitely have to take a hard look at their offense and defense this offseason and make sure they aren't so reliant on one player like Robinson to dominate. But hey, they did show some fight this season, and it wasn't all a wash for the Longhorns. So they're just on the cusp of the top 10, and we'll see if they stay there, depending on how some of these bowl games play out. Like if West Virginia or Texas Tech gets blown out, maybe they move back up. But for now, they sit at number 11. Number 12, UCF. Bulls love regional matchups, and one of the best this year could be in Tampa. The Gasparilla Bowl is a dream matchup of Florida versus UCF. For the Golden Knights... They finished third in the AAC with an 8-4 record and a conference record of 5-3. The Gators have faced off against the Knights just twice in their history, with Florida holding the record at 2-0. The last time the teams faced off, the Gators won 42-0 in 2006. I don't think this game will be quite like that. That's pretty terrible. Not if UCF can show up as their best self, and I believe they will. I think UCF, the Golden Knights, they see that 42-0 romp in 2006, and they get their revenge. Number 12. Number 13. Kansas. That's right. They're not at the bottom. Still. This is amazing that they've made it out of the basement. But still, they have a lot to look at this offseason. And they're obviously not in a bowl game. So really, it's, it's time for Kansas to look forward to basketball season, you know, where they're kind of actually a competitor. But, you know, they had some good spurts this season and showed some real fight towards the end. Not going out saying, oh, we're just, we're just relegated to the basement of the, of the conference and that we should just give up and not give her all anymore. No, they really showed some fight, and that's why they're at number 13. They showed more fight at the end of the season in some of these games, especially the one versus Texas, than a lot of teams I've seen all year. So they sit at number 13. And to round it all out, at number 14, we have TCU. And much like Kansas, pretty difficult season, disappointing Definitely not even close to a bowl game, and they have a lot to look at this offseason. And they had a lot of coaching turmoil as well. That said, I do like their defense. Like I said, they have a very exotic scheme, and I think that confuses offenses at times. So I look forward to them building on that this offseason. Number 14. So, to sum up, it's Cincinnati and Baylor that ultimately reigns supreme on the Big 12. The Bearcats and the Bears. 
And that'd be a pretty cool matchup to see if the Bearcat or a bear won. You know, they're both a, a version of a bear. So that would be pretty cool. But, uh, folks, we've got some serious madness on the horizon. It's championship slash bowl season. Cincinnati has a shot at history. And this is going to be one special bowl season. We'll see you back here after the bowl games conclude to break it all down. And remember, be sure to share the episode with a fellow Big 12 baller. Stay tuned for more shenanigans. And thanks for listening. This episode could be a Christmas gift to, to your family. think about that but anyway i hope everybody has a safe and happy holidays and we'll talk soon Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.